0: Seeing the time kind of got away from us. We're <clears throat> we're going to continue where we left off last week. And we may not get <clears throat> that may be all we do. So, so hang on to the uh, hang on to the Millennium Part One and we'll probably start that next week. And so today, actually this will be the coming earthly kingdom of the Messiah continued. (laughs) Okay. Okay. The coming earthly kingdom of the Messiah, Revelation chapter 20. Now we actually left off uh just before verse 7. I'm going to pick it up in I'm going to pick it up in verse 4 and uh just to set a little bit of context and answer any questions that uh you might have on on, on this particular section in here from 4 to 6. Revelation 20, verse 4, And I saw the thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus, and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received the mark upon their forehead and upon their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for 1,000 for 1,000 years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who, is, who has part in the first resurrection. Over these the, second resur- the sec- over these, the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Okay. <clears throat> Here's what we've got. And I want to go back Because I had some questions after the class last time on this subject about the resurrection, I'm actually going to back up a little bit. And verse five and six are called the first resurrection. Refers to all who are the true saints of God from all ages. Okay, the first resurrection it refers to the resurrection of all true believers from the fall, all the way to this point right here, the tribulation, where these tribulation saints are raised up. But that's, they're all of them. All of them are first, that's all part of the first resurrection. Now, the first resurrection actually comes in two parts, okay? One part, the first part, is actually, prior to the Old Testament saints even, the church. And remember, Again, and here's where we got to go back to our good friend Daniel. Remember, in those 70 weeks. Remember how it said there, you know, 70 weeks are determined upon your people. And speaking to Daniel, you know, the captive Jew, your people, Daniel, Jewish people, Israel, is 70 weeks. And we know that the first 69 weeks were completed... And if you run the numbers on that, they were completed right at the time of, and there's a little bit of debate as to the exact dates and so forth, but suffice it to say, it was completed, and after it was completed, it says Messiah was cut off, executed as a criminal. That's what that word means. It's right there in Daniel 9. And then there's like a break. And then you see that 70th week where it talks about, the Antichrist. At 70, remember, 70th weeks, these are weeks of years, so each, quote, week is a seven-year period. And so that 70th week is the tribulation period. So you keep that in mind. Now, between week 69 and 70, there's an undetermined, at least from Scripture, from a revelatory standpoint, It's it's an undetermined amount of time. And that is what I call, or a lot of people call, the Church Age. Okay, and we're we right now, as we sit here today, we are in that space of time between week sixty-nine and week seventy. We're we are there. We are in that time frame now. The resurrection of the church. Let's look at. Let's go back again to First Thessalonians because there's a lot of a lot of discussion and. <clears throat> a little conversation early this morning, and there's all kinds of views about the uh, the rapture and so forth. First Thessalonians 4, 13 through eight to eighteen. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. All right. For if we believe that j- Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. See that they were the Thessalonians were concerned, again, these are brand new believers. In a brand new period of history. All right. And so everything was new. I mean everything was new. <clears throat> 4, verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Again, they were concerned. What if, you know, about, see, everybody there was, and again, the, the scripture teaches an imminent return of Christ. Okay, I mean, that's, it says, I, behold, I come quickly. I come quickly, quickly, quickly. It, it's, the Lord wants us to always be ready, always be ready. Okay, so for 2,000 years, be ready, be ready. <laughs> All right, but again, with the Lord, what? One day is that a thousand years, a thousand years. With Him, it's only been a couple of days, so keep your shirts on. He's coming. Now, um, <clears throat> that is the church. And then after the rapture, then that 70th week will begin. As soon as the church is out of the way, God moves back to Israel. And you notice when we, all the way through Revelation, it's, uh, I think, back in chapter 7, the uh, the, uh, 144,000 people segregated out there, you know, 12,000 from each tribe. Okay, again, Israel has not been thrown away. They are still in, in, in God's program. That's a lot of what we will probably discuss, we were going to discuss next week now. But, uh, again, just keep that in mind. That is part of that first resurrection. The first resurrection refers to the resurrection of the saints. The second resurrection is the resurrection of the damned. Okay? And that's going to be the great white throne, which we'll get to in, in a moment. Now, what about the Old Testament saints? Well, the Old Testament saints, look at Daniel 12, just... At least that we'll look at Daniel twelve. We won't need to look at all of them or we're gonna run out of time again. But uh just wanna w because this is important. Because there's some folks that even say, well the like the Sadducees didn't understand it. A lot of folks didn't understand that there was a resurrection, although it is in the Old Testament. It's not every it's not it's not as big a teaching in the old as it is in the new, but it is it's it is there. Um Daniel 12, 1 through 3 says, Now at that time, again, that's the time of the end, that's in that tribulation period, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people will rise, and there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time, In that time your people, everyone who is found written in the book, will be rescued. Those are the saints. And many of those who sleep in the dust, okay, they've already been, they're in the grave, who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Again, the resurrection of the righteous and the wicked. Okay? In verse 3, And those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the the expanse of heaven, and those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Again, I made mention last week that... uh, I think that indicates to me also that the Old Testament saints will also be rewarded in, in some in some way. We're not. This is about all you have on it. There's not a lot, but it's there. And again, Scripture is very clear that every every human being will be judged according to their works, saved and unsaved. The the saved judged for rewards. The unsaved, the rejectors will be judged in terms of how severe their I believe their eternal punishment can be that is another topic for a different day now now and of course we saw last time we'll go there and again never forget that Jesus Christ himself is the first fruits of the resurrection that's it when we're talking about resurrection we're not talking about say um, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead that's not the resurrection Or Jesus raising the um, widow of Nain's son. That's not the resurrection. Or even, what is it, Elisha raising uh, a, a dead person up. That's not the resurrection. The resurrection, Christ being the first fruits, is when risen from the dead and given newness of life, that new resurrected body. That's what we're talking about when we're talking resurrection. Okay? Now, the rest of the dead... Uh, which is all the unsaved, and we 'll now head back to Revelation twenty uh, <clears throat> and just cover this I'm getting squeaked <laughs> okay, I think my my kids and grandkids are going crazy, okay, yep, obviously they take after their mother anyway. Uh, <laughs> Now, here we go. Here we go. Does anybody have an extra plate at dinner? Okay. Now, with all that, I got lost. Okay. Yeah. Okay, uh, chapter 20, verse 11 to 15. And that's the great white throne. He says... And I saw the great white throne and and him who sat upon it, from whose presence the earth and heaven fled away, and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things that were written in these books according to their deeds. Okay? And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. The death in Hades gave up the dead which are in them. So all the various graves... And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Again, again, it's the going back to that old uh, term we've used before. You know, it's the you got the the first resurrection, the resurrection of the saints, and then you got the eighths in the second resurrection okay so there you go and that that's it and that's why this first second resurrection but that second that first resurrection comes in two parts the church because the church being memory just go back to creation you can run through the old testament history you get into abraham isaac jacob israel those old testament saints goes through 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 and then you get to the time of, time of Christ. He goes to the cross, pays the price for sin. Um, <clears throat> Israel as a nation rejects. The church is established. And Romans 9 through 11, 9, 10, and 11 explain that perfectly, how that worked out, uh, along with a number of other things. But, um, and there you have it. And then he turns back in the tribulation period. He turns back to Israel a lot of those judgments are purging Israel. Um, matter of fact, Zechariah tells us that in the purging process, two-thirds of the nation will be killed. and But one-third, he says, will be brought through the fire, the fire of purification. Okay, it's a, it's a purging process. Okay, now, perfectly clear, right? Good. With that, I'm just going to keep moving and figure it Okay, Satan released and judged, verses 7 through 10. Thankfully, this is very much self-explanatory for the most part. 7 to 10. But when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from prison, and will come about to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for the war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore, and they came up, on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they will, they will be tormented day and night for ever, and ever. Okay, the nations. Okay, who are these nations at the end of the thousand year? We're going to go into the millennium starting next week. But suffice it to say, all of Israel going in will be saved. I think the New Covenant makes that perfectly clear. However, there are nations that walk in, nations with believers in it that weren't destroyed. But again, in a thousand years, it's going to be life on earth, better living conditions than we have today. It'll be more like the living conditions uh, when Adam and Eve were moved out of the garden where people had long lifespans, but we'll start getting into that next week. And so in a thousand years, those nations can produce a lot of children. Matter of fact, you can produce generations of children in a thousand years. And so children, especially when you have very good, almost perfect living conditions, which will be this case in the millennium. And we're going to start looking at some of those passages next week. Now, Gog and Magog, those are names that uh, are, are plucked out of, uh, or, or similar, are or, or exactly the same as names mentioned in Ezekiel. However, I do not believe that those are the same ones. I think Gog is the name given for the leader, Magog for the nations being led by them. Now, let's, on the backside, Gog and Magog, here, again, here, are not the same of those spoken in Ezekiel in chapters 38 and 39. Now, we can look at some of these. Now, in our little bullet points, our sub-bullet points, Gog and Magog in Revelation 28, 20 verse 8, represent the nations, it says, from the four corners of the earth, verse 8. Now, if we put one hand in Ezekiel, let's put one hand in Ezekiel, and we'll kind of flip back and forth here that's just want to take my word for it those of your electronic bibles you got your electronic flippers working <clears throat> now this this Gog and Magog Ezekiel passage is uh, there's about 4 or 5 different interpretations out there as to what Time frame and throughout biblical history, this this goes on. Um, <clears throat> I've got mine, but uh, we, that's another thing we can deal with as a separate topic somewhere down the road. I believe personally that they are part of the oh. final war of Armageddon. Okay, God and Magog, Ezekiel thirty-eight one through six. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, "Son of man, set your face." Now, son of man is not. Speaking about Christ here, that was son of man, was a term that God used to talk to Ezekiel himself. This is about the only place you find that, where he does that. So it's not, this is not speaking to or about Christ. Set your face toward Gog, the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Misesh, Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, Thus says the Lord, Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, prince of Rosh, Misesh, and Tubal. And I will turn you about and put hooks in your jaws, and I will bring you out, your, and all, all your army, horses and horsemen, and all of them splendidly attired, <clears throat> in great company with buckler and shield, and all of them wielding swords. And it goes on, it says, uh, <clears throat> Persia, Ethiopian, put with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer, and with all its troops, Beth to- to- Togarma, from the remote parts of the north, with all its troops, many peoples with you. Those are very specific nations that can be plotted. They, they, they seem to be that lie north, primarily north and south of Israel, a little bit to the east, but definitely not the four corners of the earth. So that's why I don't believe it's the same one, the same reference here. And then the time frame for Gog and Magog and Ezekiel is prior to the coming of the kingdom. Okay, if you look at, we're not. If you want to read, read from and I, don't, I have no intention of studying this one either, okay? Uh, it's not that I don't think it's important. It's just that chapters 40 through 48 of Ezekiel talks about the building of a temple and some city, civic improvements <laughs> in and around Jerusalem in the millennial kingdom in that kingdom. And so this Gog and Magog event happens prior to the kingdom. Gog and Magog in Revelation is at the very end of the millennium. There's another reason. It you might they might scripture may be using the same terms but not referring to the same group of people, if you see what I'm saying. Because it just doesn't it just doesn't match up. And there's some that believe, well, this is, this is the Gog and Magog at the end. Well, I don't think so. It just doesn't match up. And that's why I say it matches up the best with the, uh, uh, the armies that show up at Armageddon, especially that passage where I'll put hooks in your jaws and I'll bring you, I'll bring you right where I want you to be. We read that in Revelation where God uh, brings armies and puts them right where they want them to be. And those armies think it's their thought, their idea. So does Gog and Magog. So, I mean, it's, it's consistent with that. And um, so, does that make sense so far? Okay, because I can get confusing because you look at that and you read Ezekiel and you go, what? The? This is why so many people stay away from prophecy. It can get downright confusing at times. You know, and it requires a lot of time. A lot of time. And then... Again, the timing of Revelation is after the thousand years. We we just read that. And then in Revelation, Gog and Magog are destroyed by fire on the broad plain surrounding the beloved city, Jerusalem. Let's read uh, 20 verse 9. Revelation 20 verse 9 and they came upon the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and beloved city and fire came down from heaven and devoured them now let's compare that to Zechariah 14 another one of those uh, books that is good to have a handle on if you're talking about this period of time 14, verse 9. And the Lord will be king over all the earth in that day. The Lord will be the only one, and his name the only one. All the land will be changed into a plain. Hmm. They're brought to the broad plain, so that be changed to a plain. Um, from Geba to Rimmon, south of Jerusalem, but... <clears throat> But Jerusalem will rise and remain on its site from Benjamin's gate as far as the, uh, the place of the first gate uh, to the corner gate and from the tower of Hanel to the king's wine presses. And people will live in it, and there will be no more curse, for Jerusalem will dwell in security. So he's talking right there, the end time. This is They're, they're moving in post-Armageddon into the kingdom itself, or the establishing of the kingdom. So what the, well, let me just keep reading, and it'll, it'll, hopefully it will make itself clear when we're done. Yeah, he touched the Mount of Olives. Okay, the Mount of Olives was split. Now that's something too we're gonna get into next time because we've we've already talked about a little bit, but I knew it's been back in Revelation sixteen, remember the bowl judgments? And remember the judgments where they had that big, massive earthquake where it says, you know, mountains shifted, islands fled out of the way. I mean and what happens there is that and in this one we'll go back into this one, we'll examine this one a little bit more thoroughly, but the plain, the what used to be mountainous area, I believe is going to be big plain. When you start looking at the city it's, it goes for a big distance. And it also matches up in Armageddon where it says the for almost two for like two hundred miles. Uh, the blood's going to rise up to the horses' bridles, I mean, stuff like that. It's a pretty gory mess, and it will be. Um, And in Revelation, it talks about many of the armies, uh, or the armies, I should say, in the Armageddon, the armies, a lot of them are are killed in the the mountains and so forth. This broad plain, because by the time you get into the um millennium, it's different. We're it, we just read here where Jerusalem will be like elevated because everything else is flattened. Israel raised up a little bit. You got the Mount of Olives there. Remember, Jesus lands on them, the Mount of Olives splits. Water comes up out of there and flows to the two great seas Mediterranean, Dead Sea, making. The dead sea no longer dead. But anyway, it you know, and things happen. And then that's all sets up for this millennial kingdom where the desert will blossom like a rose, or a crocus if you prefer. It's not it's not as flashy, but it is a nice looking plant. I courtesy of uh a text on that. <laughs> okay. Okay, and it talks about, um, verse 13, it will come about that in that day the great panic from the Lord will fall upon them. They will seize one another's hand and the hand will be lifted against the hand of another. Again, it's like, this is how the battle of Armageddon is going to go. You just read this and a few other, you you can get plenty. And all these armies come in and then God just whacks them out. He just whacks them in a variety of ways. A variety of ways. Um, And so you see here that... uh, well, in verse 12, it says they've gone to war against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they stand on their feet, and their eyes will rot in the sockets, and their tongues will rot in their mouth. It's like all of a sudden they're sitting, all of a sudden. It's almost like, what's that scene? What's that? Oh, Indiana Jones. Jones, right? When they stood there and the, the Nazis got it. Yeah. Well, see, <laughs> see, these guys are, God's going to, like, go Nazi on them, you know. Or, that didn't come out right. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> Moving right along. Yeah. And in verse 13, it says, they will seize one another hand. You know what Confusion, God is going to cause confusion to those attacking armies. They're going to end up killing each other. They're going to turn on each other. I, I mean, it's... Um, <clears throat> and look at verse 14. And Judah also will fight at Jerusalem. This is Judah. The tribe of Judah. And there's some biblical history on that you look at you go back all the way to genesis 49 where um jacob does a prophecy against all the 12 sons and judah will be a lion right and judah will also fight at jerusalem and the wealth of all the surrounding nations will be gathered gold silver and garments in great abundance so like this plague will be the plague of the horse the mule the donkey and the cattle will be and they shall come about that any her left of all the nations that went against Jerusalem will go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to celebrate the Feast of Booths. There's the nations that are going to enter. See that? The nations that are going to enter into the, the uh, actual kingdom. And, and at that time, that be whichever of the families of the earth does not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. Well, that's all part of Jesus being the king of kings. The only king, as we saw in verse 9 of Zechariah 14, that's part of his ruling, strict rule with a rod of iron. Okay, the nations, you don't show up, all right, you get no rain. How's that? It's like, well, oh my God, putting, there's, there's one church. You don't show up for church, no rain. <laughs> we put that in the bylaws. No. <laughs> but there you yeah. And so... I gotta say, and then Satan, verse ten, back to <clears throat> Revelation twenty, we end there. But it, there's a variety of ways these armies are killed. But you notice too that uh, the Gog and Magog that they're referring to at the very end at the, is is taken out with fire. Okay, you just turn into chicken McNuggets. and then verse 10 this is very interesting about Satan tossing the lake of fire this is where the beast and false prophet are and, and they've been there for a thousand years and also they, that's all three of them that's the beast the false prophet and Satan will be tormented forever and ever and ever alright and what this does is these two points I put a little note at the very end of the page here There's these two <coughs> points refute the false doctrine of annihilationism you ever heard of that one annihilationism that's the teaching, and again I say the false teaching that, like Seventh Day Adventists, for example, promote this: that uh, once you die, you and if you're if you're judged, you get thrown in wherever it is, and you're you're gone. That's it. There's no eternal punishment, and a lot of a lot of these false religious systems believe that. And quite frankly, if I believed in those, I would want. To believe in a non-nationalism too, because uh, the judgment is there, and Scripture is extremely clear about that. That it's there, and it's forever, and uh, it's not like boom, bang, you're gone. It's John Lennon saying about it, which is why I don't get my theology from John Lennon. (laughs) Another good reason, or the Duck Dynasty guys, for that matter. Anyway. Let's close our word of prayer. <laughs> They're fun, I mean, you. Know. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, Lord, and we thank you for the truth of your word. And again, Lord, we just ask that we would take these things to heart, and the big takeaway, Lord, that I get from a lot of this, the fact, yes, we won't be involved in a lot of this personally in terms of being judged, thankfully, but Lord, the fact that we see in here your power, your authority and your majesty, and we give you praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen.